Welcome to another episode of American, American Time Lines. I'm Amy. And I am Robert Guillaume from Benson. That is Joe. And we are here to talk to you about... How do you know I'm, I'm not Robert Guillaume from Benson? About culture and pop culture and... True crime. Fashion and... Fashion? Well, we should have some fashion. We don't do any fashion. I need we to do, do wrestling fashion. fashion. I'm going to bring in fashion next time. We talk about music. Fashion would be hysterical television. to talk about. Leg warmers and headbands. Yeah. That's all you got to say. We talk about some of this stuff. You know what we should do while we're recording this 80s? What? This 80s season, we should smoke cigarettes. Oh, people yeah. All Capris. Smoked. Remember Capris? Capris, yeah. Those little skinny cigarettes? Yeah, we bought those when I was in college. We brought a pack of those for backup cigarettes when somebody was out. Why? Because you'd have to say to somebody, can I, somebody say, can I bum a cigarette? I'm like, nope. After you smoke a Capri, I'll give you a cigarette. Oh, my God. And they were like 120s. Yeah, you know, like they were real long, long and, skinny. and you couldn't get anything off of them. So skinny. I don't know why we bought those. It was a joke. It's stupid. It was a stupid joke. It is stupid. Anyway, we should smoke cigarettes. No, let's not do that. All right, we won't. Because we're doing this in our living room. But uh, as we left off in the last mm-hmm. episode we were f- we were in the middle of 1986 yes we talked about uh, Larry Bird and Len Bias had just died and Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald were singing songs together and um, Ruthless People came out and we mm-hmm. talked about Ferris Bueller and you know, all these Hands Across America and all that stuff and Top Gun Val Kilmer didn't want to do it and Bobby Ewing and Moonlight and Short Circuit and Golden okay. Girls and we don't need to uh, recap the Chernobyl entire and Kiss and the murder of Sherry Rasmussen. That murder. We talked about the whole murder, which is crazy. And hopefully by now you've all watched that video uh, of her. What were you? It was, it was the, it, when they talked to her in the interrogation in room. interrogation. But there was something else we said to YouTube, didn't we? Watch a video of this. It was that. Yeah, it, it was, was her that. interrogation. Yeah. Room, right. So hopefully you've all watched that by now and we can go on with our lives. But now we're going to pick up. Amy was briefly about to touch on a, a haunting. haunting, I a guess. Haunting. We're going to get into a haunting. Yes. Um, uh, this is the first uh, time in American Timelines history yes, that, that we've, we've talked a about a haunting. haunting. So this, I'm nervous. I'm well, scared. I'm this scared. Is <laughs> the, the Snedeker the Snedeker family haunting. Snedeker? Are you sure you're saying that right? Yes. How do you spell Snedeker? S-N-E-D-E-K-E-R. A-K-E-R? E-K-E-R. E-K-E-R, Snedeker. Yeah, I guess that would be Snedeker. And, and uh, this is this was the basis of that movie, A Haunting in Connecticut. I've never heard of that there movie. There was a movie called that. And this when did that come out? Probably in the 90s, maybe. Okay. Oh, no, probably in the 2000s sometime. Well, get it right. I don't remember. Uh, I didn't see it, I don't think. It was terrible research so, on that part, huh? Um, on June 30th, 1986, Carmen and Al Snedeker moved to the small town of Southington, Connecticut. But they moved there on June 30th, 1986? Yes. They moved there the same time Nipsey Russell was on the $10,000 pyramid? Yes, oh, probably. They crazy. they moved there to be closer to a hospital. Their older son had um, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh, and so they moved, funny? they moved there to be close to this hospital. To a hospital, okay. And um, they jumped at a chance to rent what appeared to be the perfect house. It was large enough for their family, which included three children and a cousin, and the rent was in their affordable price range. I wonder why they had that cousin. I don't know. It was while they were moving in... 
that Al made a startling discovery. In the basement, there was this peculiar room that had um, embalming tables and embalming tools oh. and uh, a gurney. Just sitting in the basement? Yeah. And um, they had, the house, it turned out, used to be funeral home. Oh. But they had all this stuff down there. And it was sectioned into several rooms, and it was the only room was deemed large enough to serve as the two boys' bedrooms. So they had, so to, they had sleep to sleep down, down there. there, those poor kids. Yeah. So not long after Carmen, the, the, the mom said she began experiencing strange phenomena like items disappearing and her children reporting seeing strange people in the house as well as hearing voices and the sound of hundreds of birds taking flight. Wow, that's a crazy sound. Yeah. Her oldest, who was at the time in the middle of radiation treatment, began to exhibit radical personality shifts, becoming withdrawn and angry. He brooded and began writing poetry with necrophilic themes. Uh, but that might have been due to the cancer. Or I the don't know. Hodgkin's Could lymphoma, be. right? The medicine or whatever he was taking? But I don't or? think you'd do necrophilic poetry because of that. Well, but... Is there any other reason you do necrophilic poetry? I don't know. During one Is intense episode, he attacked his cousin with the intent to rape her. Oh, no. His family had him arrested and taken for an evaluation where he was pronounced schizophrenic. Oh, gosh. He was removed from the house and the seemed kid to with get Yeah. Oh, jeez. I know. Got to go through a lot. Other phenomena that were reported by the Snedekers included the repeated and brutal rape of both Carmen and her niece, as well as acts of sodomy being performed on her husband by unseen entities. So... They were all being raped by yeah. ghosts. Yeah. Ghost rape? Yeah. I've never heard of ghost rape being a thing. Well, uh, apparently some people believe it's a thing. Ghost rape? Ghost rape. Like, can you imagine you're just sitting there and I was like, oh my God, ow. Yeah. I'm being anally penetrated by something by that you can't the see. air. Yeah, by the air. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then um, mop water was reported to turn into blood, into blood red and the scent of rotting flesh and decay were reported throughout the house. She was also frightened of apparitions that she saw. One had long black hair and black eyes, and the other had white hair and eyes and was wearing a pinstripe tuxedo. It was then that Carmen decided to contact controversial paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, they're good. They're going to you know save them? the day. Do you know who they are? I have no idea they who they did are, the but Amityville I'm Amityville Horror. Oh, they did? Yeah, like uh, they're they're big. They're well-known? Very well-known. Oh, boy. Very famous. Sure like the Conjuring movies. Those movies are all about them. And I don't know what the Conjuring movie. I'm not into this crap I know that you're you not. love. So along with John Zaffis, who was their, their nephew, I think, and a few investigators, the Warrens moved into the house for several weeks until they'd experienced everything the Snedekers claimed. That's what it says. Now, I don't know if that includes the ghost rape. I'm assuming not. But they were waiting there to be raped. I guess. I mean, it said that they waited. See, see all uh, any invisible wieners? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> During their time in the house, they claimed to have seen firsthand the damage the demons in the home could inflict with many members being slapped and beaten, pushed and slammed to the floor. <laughs> Investigation into the history of the house supposedly revealed one of the undertakers at the funeral home was found guilty of necrophilia, which fed fuel to the fire. It got to the point that the Warrens deemed it necessary for a full-scale exorcism of the property, after which the house was judged cleared by the Warrens, with the evil banished from the house. That should have been the end of the story, but it wasn't. Like another Warren investigation, the infamous Lutz House in Amityville, there have been numerous claims by people who lived in the house, both before and after the Snedeker family, that there have never been any evil entities in the house. In there never were? That's what they the other there people... Weren't yeah, there okay. weren't. The family's claim to, to have no knowledge that the home was once a funeral parlor was refuted by the home's owners. 
Perhaps the most damning evidence that the whole event was a hoax came from the horror novelist Ray Garden, who was contracted to write the book In a Dark Place with the Warrens and the Snedekers. According to Garten, it was difficult to write a true story because none of the involved parties could keep their story straight. Yeah, I think the the invisible rape is fake. Yeah, well, um, furthermore, others who lived in the house during and prior to the same time have similar stories to tell. Sure, they say there were a few odd occurrences, but nothing near the scale the Snedekers claim. So whether true or not, the house um, is, is is like people drive by it all the time and they like... The current it's owners. A popular it's a popular destination. People know about it. That's yes. What trying to say. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, but they lived in the house for two years after it was exercised, then moved to Tennessee. The children are grown now with children of their own, and and they all happen to live in houses now that also have alien well, raping the, ghosts. The right? mom is now a spiritual advisor. Oh, yeah. And he has plans of writing Full another of book based on the experience. Here's my advice: <laughs> Don't get raped by ghosts. That's right. So that's the story of the Snedeker haunting. That yeah, sounds like I think that one's bullshit. Do you? I think the more important thing that happened was that Nipsey Russell was on the ten thousand dollar pyramid. You think that was more important than that haunting? Friday, July fourth, nineteen eighty six, the hip hop group Run DMC performed a cover of "Walk This Way." Oh yeah, with Steven Tyler and Joe Perry guesting on vocals and guitars, and while working on while working on "Raising Hell." Rick Rubin pulled out "Toys in the Attic," an album they freestyled over, and explained who Aerosmith were. They had performed with the song before, but only using first few, the first few seconds of the song in a loop. Um, to yes. Run and DMC, Joseph Simmons and Daryl McDaniel didn't know who Aerosmith even was. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And they didn't even, and once they recorded it, they even then didn't think it was that good and didn't want to release it. But, oh, it was really good. But Rick Rubin made him do it, and it went crazy on the charts. Yeah, it did. You know, it was everybody so wanted Adidas. Oh, yeah, everybody After loved that. it. Walk this way. And I, I'll admit, I didn't know who the hell Run DMC, or who Aerosmith was either. I was like, who Yeah, I might guys? not have either before that. Um, but then it it actually resurrected their career too yeah because then they started putting on all those albums and a lot of people our age i think only knew aerosmith new stuff with like yeah. alicia silverstone and all that right stuff. right you know not their old don't stuff don't miss a thing didn't they did they sing dreamweaver yeah dream on not yeah. dreamweaver dream on oh dream on dream on yeah and that if you go back and listen to that knowing the newer aerosmith the old guys aerosmith yeah it really doesn't sound like Steven Tyler. No, it like, doesn't. I swear I'd listen to him like, that's not Steven Tyler's but no it was. way. It's great, but it is. But it it's is just, him. Yeah, and they say the whole thing is just that he's done so many drugs. Yeah, right. I've just, heard that. Yeah, he's just done, because he just he looks like up. His, um, and he's aged. I mean, he was a young guy. He looks like that Muppet. Um, What's her name? Madel, not Madeline. Madam. The Muppet that used to be on yeah. Hollywood Squares. He looks Madam just like her. Yeah, Madam. Yeah. <laughs> You all right? I'm telling you, this beer is so alcoholic that yeah. it burns your throat. Why would you want to drink that? Because it's so delicious. It's a 120-minute IPA. I don't know uh, what that means. It means they they uh, they cook the hops or whatever they do. Mm-hmm. They brew the hops for 120 minutes. That makes it real super strong. It's actually illegal in North Carolina because it's so strong of a beer. It's like, uh, now why, like 16%. But, okay, so but but North Carolina sells hard liquor. Yeah, but that's regulated by the ABC board. Oh, it is. And beer is not. Okay. They can sell it. You can buy it at grocery stores. It's true. Yes. Yeah. So nobody's regulating it. So. Uh, but there's 16 percent alcohol in wine. Some wine, I think. 
So is there? I think so. Isn't that regulated by the ABC board too? No, you buy know. that at the grocery store. I don't think there's that percent. Maybe I don't know. I know I don't it goes up to at least twelve to fifteen percent wine. You don't know. Yes, I do. You don't name seventeen wines right now and all their percentages. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what? We'll ask Steve Brace because okay. I know you asked me this before, and he listens. He's one of the only listeners to our podcast. And, <laughs> the and only so, listeners. <laughs> don't make so, it sound so pathetic. Well, well, it's not. I mean, we don't. We're not, we don't have a well-oiled marketing machine. No, that's true. But so, Steve Brace, if you're listening, can you explain the difference between wine and beer, and why uh, you can have wine that Amy claims you can have wine that's a lot more alcoholic than that? Why is why is this beer illegal? No, that's uh, right. So, uh, I expect you when you're listening, drop to the this, knowledge. Yeah, not only drop the knowledge, drop whatever you're doing and text me immediately because we're on a tech. We have a text relationship. Like okay. He, he texts me a picture. Actually, he gave me this 120 minute IPA. I know you told I, me that. I traded it to him for that uh, artisan beer that I did not like. The um, yeah, the prairie artisan beer that t- was like tastes like bourbon. He loves bourbon barrel. Yeah, you told me that already. Beer. You so told anyway, me this whole story already. Anyway, Steve Brace is a great guy. So Steve, explain that to me. Okay. All right, so that was Run DMC's Walk This Way. That was mm-hmm. a big deal. And then on July 5th, Saturday, July 5th, Billy Ocean takes over the Billboard charts with There'll Be Sad Songs to Make You Cry. Uh, yeah. Crap. I, I listened to that. I looked it up because I don't remember it at There'll all. There'll be sad songs to make you cry. You sound just like Billy Ocean. No, I don't. Oh, I don't. No, you do. Oh, my God. Are you Billy Ocean? I yeah, married Billy Ocean. I like him a little bit. You look a lot like Billy Ocean, if you know what I mean. You wish. No, um, what? I don't know what I'm talking about, but that song I never heard of. I don't ever once remember hearing that song. Yeah. But you remember that song, huh? Yeah, I do. Huh. I don't care for it, but I remember yeah, it. I don't remember it. Then Saturday, July 12th, mm-hmm. 1986, Simply Red, Holding Back the Years. Holding Back the Years. Yep. Holding uh, back the year, I'll keep, keep holding on. on. Yep. And it's a red-haired guy with mm-hmm. long hair, kind of swooping over his eyes. That's right. And he's singing about like living without his mom because his mom left his family when he was three. Well, that makes it extra sad. Yeah, it's real sad. And it's just, and if you look at the video, it's just like him staring at, uh, as a kid staring at teachers, middle-aged women that he kind of wishes were there that aren't there or something i don't know middle-aged women middle-aged well yeah <laughs> it just makes it sound weird not middle-aged but like adult women he's right a kid, right yeah. i mean it starts out with this this video where he's a little kid and his mom he goes out in the street and he's about to get hit by a car and his mom saves him oh but then she like disappears like okay invisible because i think she left the family so it's really sad when people's moms leave. No, it is. Uh, we're lucky. To, those of us who have moms are lucky to have moms. That's right. So moms, shout out to you. Yes. I love you. you all that you all do. I love my mom. I love your mom. I yep. love you as a mom. That's right. Damn uh, it. I love mothers. I love you, mothers. All I right. love you, mothers. All right. What's next? Friday, July 18th, 1986. Aliens. Aliens? Aliens came out. The plural? Yeah. Okay. Is that's that a the great, first one? No, that's the second one. That's a great movie. I thought it was the first one. No, the first one was Alien, singular. Oh, really? Yes. Oh well, this which, and which this one? is the one with Game Over. I think Game Over. Yeah, man, that's game the second over. one. Aliens. Bill, Bill Paxton said Game Over, Game yes. Over, man, and that was uh, an improvised line. Nice. Oh, I always thought Aliens was just no. That's the second one. How many were there? Aliens. There's like four of them, I think. Okay, but the first two are really the good ones. Well, this was the seventh top-grossing uh, movie that year. Yes. And Sigourney Weaver's Best Actress Academy Award nomination for this movie was the first ever for an actress in a role in an action movie. How about Sweet. that? Did you know that? That's awesome. Well, now you know that. You can drop that knowledge. That's right. Anybody ever tell you you look like Sigourney Weaver? Nope. Good, because you don't. No, I don't. Saturday, July 19th, 1986, Genesis has a new number one song on the Billboard charts. Barf. 
She seems to have an accessible touch. All right. Do you know who uh, left Genesis and later put out their own albums and then put out a groundbreaking Bruce video? Bruce Hornsby or somebody? No. Oh, Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. No, yeah, Peter Gabriel. And yeah. he had a song that knocked Genesis' Invisible Touch off the number one spot. And, Sledgehammer. Uh, yeah, and Phil Collins said, uh, we weren't aware of that at the time. If we had been, we'd probably have sent him a, a telegram saying, congratulations, bastard. Oh, okay. Is that a good British accent? Not at Bast- all. Bast- bastard. Not even bastard. a little bit. Congratulations, bastard. No, that's not even Congratulations, good. bastard. Okay. Did I sound just like Phil Collins? No. One time I was in a play, and I played Bob Cratchit. Yeah. And so... And I was a night guard at, at a college, and there was a British girl who lived there. And so I asked her, I made her teach me how to say all of my lines. I gave her all of my lines. On the you show. were hitting you, on her, probably. No. Oh, well, she was more attractive because she was British. Right. That happens. I mean, British, you Br- could be. British people are more attractive because of their accent. Yeah, they I really agree are. with that. Yeah, it really is. I honestly have no idea. I don't remember her name or anything. I remember, I think I get her mixed up with like several other people I've known. But anyway. Yeah. She did. She sat with me and she taught me every. That's sweet. Do you think that means she wanted to bang me? Or make I don't music? know. I wasn't there. Why would you have spent all that time with me? Maybe she's yeah, just nice. Yeah, she probably. Maybe she's just nice. Yeah, it could be. Uh, but anyway, and so I think I, I was a better Bob Cratchit because she helped coach me saying all the right lines. All right. Anyway, so Peter Gabriel knocked uh, Phil Collins and Genesis off the number one with the sledgehammer. And this video was a. It raised the bar for video production. It was yes. groundbreaking. Yeah, it the was. Stop motion music video. Remember that? All yeah, that it was like claymation or something. Claymation. Yeah, and his face was like cl- had clouds yeah, that's on right. it, whatever. And um, it was really. Uh, Elaborate. It was. Yeah, so go watch that video on YouTube, everyone. Saturday, July 26th, 1986 yeah. was when that became the first, the top song. Sorry, I think I already said that. Yeah. Friday, August 1st, 1986, Marvel's first movie came out and it bombed at the box office. A Marvel movie yes. bombed. A Marvel movie bombed. Yeah. Okay. The first ever Marvel movie. Do you know, do you know what it is? Oh. Um, you don't. It was Howard the Duck. Oh, that's right. That was a Marvel movie. That's weird. So Howard the That duck. was a comic strip, comic yeah, book. I, mean. I guess it was a comic book, which I didn't realize that when it came out. Yeah. Do you, do you know what? How, did you ever see Howard the no. Duck? No. Do you know what it is? Like the movie. I want to say Did it's got see? hockey involved. Is it right? I don't. I don't remember. I saw. I feel like it. it's a hockey. It. He's a hockey playing duck or something. I don't think he plays hockey. He might. I don't know. He's just like a. I think the thing I didn't like about it is like he's like a. He's like the size of like a mascot duck. Yes. Like a mascot at a game. So, yeah. And it didn't look realistic at all. Like right. It didn't, his mouth didn't hardly move or anything. It was really dumb looking to me, but. I think it was. I wonder funny. what made him want to make that movie. Like the, it was the eighties. What did they? What, what made what else? people make any decisions? That's true. Cocaine. Cocaine. That's Lots right. Of cocaine. If you're on cocaine and you see a Howard the Duck cartoon, yeah. you're gonna make it. Yeah, you're gonna say that's something we want to do. Saturday, August second, nineteen eighty-six. We're in the summer. We're in the hot summer of eighty-six. Okay. We're in the middle of the eighties. It's hot. People are doing coke. They got headbands on. It's it's hot outside. And yes, ballads are popular. We got it. Peter Cetera's. Glory of Love becomes an one song that summer, the end of, uh, beginning of the end of the summer. I did it all for the glory of love. That. I am the man yes. who will fight for your honor. Ugh. I'm in a hero. All right. That's <laughs> terrible. It is. Peter's a terror is awful, but I love him because. What else does he sing? When I love somebody. Until the end of That's time. not the same song. No one needs you more than They all sound like the same song. Somebody stay the night. Okay, I know that I one. Something for you. you know, he was in Chicago. That's and right. He left Chicago. To and play this crappy music. 
or something about that. Oh, he originally wrote this song for Rocky IV, mm-hmm. uh, but it was passed over by United Artists. Instead, they used it for Karate Kid Part Two. I see. So, are you broken up that this wasn't Rocky IV? No. Stay the night. I'm totally so he, not broken up by that. Peter Cetera had a video. I can't remember which song it was. Maybe Stay the Night, where he was like, it was like an action movie, and he was like jumping in the back of a truck. Like he was jumping from one car to another car, speeding down the highway. Was it a, for a movie? I don't think it was from a movie. It was like he looked like a badass action star, but then he was singing, Stay the Night. That's weird. <laughs> I was like, what was going on? Yeah. Is he an action hero or does he sing crappy garbage songs? Yeah. Anyway, he was in Chicago, and Chicago was easy listening to also. You know, Chicago, the band was originally called CTA. Did you know that? No. Chicago Transit Authority. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. I did not. Dropping some motherfucking knowledge. Oh, wait. That's the third time you said that. It is? Mm-hmm. Do I keep saying that? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. That might be a thing I say. Anyway, Friday, August 8th, 1986, during the voice recording for 1986's Transformers, the movie. Yes. Orson Welles complained to his biographer that he had spent the day playing in a toy, playing a toy in a movie about toys who do horrible things to each other <laughs> it was his last role yeah didn't i sound like orson wells there kind of oh uh, yeah exactly yeah uh yeah so transformers the movie he must have felt cartoon. like he was he was you know it was lowering kinda, his standards oh i'm sure he was, it was kind of badass they had a badass orson wells playing optimus prime right but he died in the movie and andy cried my brother yes. Andy cried about that that's funny. Yeah, I bet Andy's gonna be upset to hear about Orson Welles being embarrassed. Yeah, when he did that movie that he did it. That's right. Yep. Saturday, August sixteenth, nineteen eighty-six, Madonna takes over the Billboard number one spot with with a song, "Live to Tell." Nope. Oh, we already did we already that. We already did that one. That's right. Papa, don't preach. That's right. I'm, I'm in trouble. trouble. Papa, don't preach. Cause I'm keeping, keeping my, my baby. baby. Ooh, I'm gonna keep my baby. So pro-life people actually liked this song and liked Madonna yeah. because she was keeping her baby. Um, Danny Aiello played her dad in the video. That's right. Remember yeah. that? Yep. Um, and this is Madonna's second image makeover, featuring her with a more toned and muscular body and cropped platinum blonde hair. Yeah, she looked hot. You think she looked hot? Mm-hmm. Well, I do. Yeah, well, she, uh, yeah, so there was many heated discussions about it, the content women's organizations and others in the family planning field criticized madonna for encouraging teenage pregnancy while groups opposed to abortion laws saw the song as having a positive pro-life messages a message mm, of course uh yep all right she dedicated that song to the pope for some okay reason. and then that same day that mm-hmm. that became the number one song rick allen the drummer of Def leopard Mm-hmm. who had lost his arm and thought he'd That's never right. play again, yep. returned to Def Leppard and played his first concert with them with one arm. With one arm. With one arm. I can't imagine. That's got to be hard to play the drums with one arm. Well, they put they attached another drumstick to his wiener. Oh, that's like, how he did yeah, that. he did his arm and his wiener, yeah. Oh, that makes more sense wieners, then. Wieners are very uh, awesome things. Yeah. He had to have a boner the whole time, though. You would? If you had, to, if you were trying to play the drums with it and attached it, stick to it, right? Well... I guess the whole, if you have the boner, it helps. But if That's what not, I mean. If you don't, you just have to do a little more hip action, I think. You're swinging it around yeah, and stuff? swinging it around, yeah. It just depends on what you want what to do. What kind of tape would you use? Um, masking. <laughs> <laughs> How about some Velcro double stick? Double stick wouldn't be, that would probably. Washi rip, tape. Rip some skin off. Washi tape's a modern I thing. I don't think I know what that is. 
Yeah, you do. It's washi tape. It's that little skinny tape that has got all the designs and colors and pictures on it and stuff. You used it on your calendar at work. Oh, my God. Maybe they can just use a string and just tie it. Tie it with a string. Yep. Tie a yellow ribbon around my old wiener. All right. That's stupid. <laughs> it's <laughs> really stupid. Puke. I lost my arm in a car accident. I don't know how we got on this. <laughs> uh, I don't know either because we're idiots. Wednesday, August 20th, 1986, <laughs> in Edmonton, Oklahoma, yeah. a United States Postal Service employee named Patrick Sherrill yes. gunned down 14 of his coworkers before nice. committing suicide. Yes. Yeah, going postal became going a thing. Going postal. That was when going postal came a thing. That's right. Um, ah, the 80s, when only postal workers were mass shooters. That's right. Now, now it's, it's everybody. It's fair game. Everyone. There's, there's it's like the OK Corral everyone. around here. No. Back then it was like uh, going to the post office was the only a scary thing. Now it's going to school yeah, or yep. church or anywhere. Or work of or any work sort. Or anything, anywhere, yes. anytime. You could be shot massively. It is. It's like the Wild West. It's a Wild Wild West. Okay. Saturday, August 30th, Saturday, 1986, mm-hmm. Steve Winwood takes over the number one spot. With billboard charts with Bring me a higher love. Ugh, that's oh, another bad one. Bring me a higher love. Um, I might have mentioned this before, but Steve Winwood is actually not Don Henley or Glenn no. Fry. And he's also not Bruce Hornsby. No, he's not. Those are all different people. And you would it's weird that you know The reason I mention that is because I don't know that I can tell the difference. Can tell the difference. I think I've always thought Don Henley, Glenn Fry, Bruce Hornsby, and Steve Winwood or were all the same person, or at least that they were all in the Eagles. No. Because they all sound the same. I think Glenn Fry was in the Eagles. Glenn Fry and Don Henley were in the Eagles. Were in the Eagles, yeah. But what's the fucking difference between them and Bruce Hornsby and Steve Winwood? Bruce Hornsby was in something else, like Night Ranger or something. It was, oh my God. He was not Night Ranger. Well, quit yelling. You take that back. What was he in then, Smarty Pants? I don't know. He was in some garbage You don't know. No, he was in. Bruce Hornsby in the range. Well, and that's Ranger, it, Night it, Ranger in the range. Oh, I could see that well, where I got confused. Yes, except for Night Ranger is the greatest American band in American history. You no. can still rock in America all, right. all night. Oh, yeah. All right, enough. Sister Christian. This is the not time. the Joe experience. It's not? No. Well, Steve Winwood was a member of the Spencer Davis group in traffic. Okay. What's next? Sunday, August 31st, 1986, five-year-old LeVan Merritt fell into the gorilla enclosure at Durrell Wildlife Park and lost consciousness. Oh, yeah. Jambo stood guard over the boy when he was unconscious, placing himself between the boy and other gorillas in what pathologists analyze as a protective gesture. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. And you can, there's interviews of this guy now. He's, he's an adult and he has kids and everything. And he's like, uh, yeah, Jambo saved my life. Wow. I wonder if he goes back and sees Jambo. Yeah, I don't know if Jambo's still alive, but I know that, uh, you know, the whole Harambe thing that happened where he killed Harambe, even though he was doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, This kid, this five-year-old, Levin Mary. Why wouldn't they just get a tranquilizing dart? Why would they kill the animal? I don't know. I don't know their methods. I I mean, if you're you're worried about him changing his mind and mauling the kid, I can see that. Mm -hmm. But just a trank, trank dart. I don't know. Would work. Maybe they were out of trink darts. Maybe they used them all that day. Well, then go to the store. Well, maybe they were on their way to the store. I don't know, but... I don't know. I don't know enough about the situation. I haven't yeah. been informed, and I don't want to speak yeah. uh, uninformedly. 
You don't? I don't want to. This, this is the first time in this podcast you, what? you've gotten what? worried about that. What? What? Yep. I will not sit here and listen to these wild allegations. Saturday, September 6th, 1986. Bananarama is the new number one oh, song was on it? the Billboard Hot Cruel 100. Summer. Nope. Oh, I know. Venus. Venus. Yeah. I'm your Venus. I'm, I'm your fire. Your desire. Now, you know that they didn't originally do that song, right? Yes. It was um, It was like Frankie Avalon or somebody. It was a 1969 song written by Dutch musician Robbie Van Leeuwen. Oh, I was wrong. The song Shocking, the group Shocking Blue sang it. Okay. I was wrong about that. I'm your Venus. I'm your fun. But do you know about Bananarama? Here's something I didn't know about Bananarama. Okay. Now, do you remember a couple episodes ago we talked about Come On Eileen? Yes. You remember what that had to do with Bananarama? Um, I remember it was the girl in the video or something, right? Well, that, that 120 minute. Uh, IPA was delicious. I just All right. It. Anyway, um, yeah, so the girl in the video is the sister of one of the Bananarama girls. Okay, I do remember that. But that's not the most exciting thing about Bananarama. Here's something I don't think any one of our listeners know or you know, and I didn't know this. Okay. But uh, this Bananarama's success on both pop and dance charts has earned them a listing in the Guinness Book of World Records. For what? As the... All female group with the most chart entries in the world. Between 1982 and 2017, they had 32 singles reach the top 50 of the UK singles chart. You must not have hit it here then, because I only know those two songs. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Anything. Yeah, there's probably little ones you you've heard that were oh that's Bananarama, holy shit. Maybe, but but I didn't do that research, and so if you're listening and you're a big Bananarama head. Go ahead yeah. and just tweet at us at History for Jerks on Twitter. There you go. All right. Which I just, um, I tweeted a picture of us recording this podcast, by the way, today. So, boom. Then on I September, didn't approve that photo. Well, you don't have to. You're beautiful always. Saturday, September 13th, 1986, Berlin takes over the number one chart from Bananarama. Just knocks Bananarama off and says, hey, I'm Berlin. Yeah. You know what song? You mm. remember the group Berlin? Is it 99 Luff Balloons? No. Oh. Close. What is it? Take my breath away. Oh, yeah, I don't care for that one either. <laughs> Another ballad. <laughs> I know. This is the year of the ballads. Yeah, there's a lot of ballads. 86 was the year of the ballads. I don't uh, know anyway, why. that song was from Top Gun. Remember oh, that? that's from right. Top Gun. The whole video is just yeah. pictures of Tom Cruise being a garbage human. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. No, Tom Cruise, I, I take back every. No, I don't. Tom Cruise sucks. Yeah, he does. Sorry. I know we've talked about this in season one, but Top Gun, maybe it was a good movie. I don't know. I won't see it because Tom Cruise sucks. Yeah, Tom Cruise sucks. Monday, September 15th, 1986. Remember when you said you didn't see Tom Cru Top Gun? Yes. Yeah, you never saw it, right? No, I never did. Okay. Good for you. Monday, September 15th, 1986. Yes. It is a 1986 horror novel by American oh, yeah. Stephen King. It was released. That's right. It was his 22nd book and his 18th novel it's written under his own book. name. The story follows the experiences of seven children as they are terrorized by an entity that exploits the fears and phobias of its victims to yes. disguise itself while hunting its prey. It's an evil clown. Yeah, it, a clown. I still want to see that movie, that new one that they came out with. There was a movie about it? Just called recently. It? Uh, recently it came out. Really? What, it's called It? Yeah. I mean, there was an old one with Tim Curry playing the clown, but then just recently they came. Where have you been? Recently, it came out in theaters. I have been 
with my nose to the grindstone. No, is what you've I've been, been doing. A, I've been editing podcasts. I've been editing podcasts. I've been working hard at my day job. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, watching wrestling for yes. research on the WWE Network. You Apparently, know, you have not been well, doing well, much else. How often do we see movies? We are uh, we are a couple in our forties. You wouldn't watch that with me, anyways. Well, no, I wouldn't. That sucks go to hell what if it's good but i'm usually generally aware you're a scaredy cat i used to be aware that's of why you won't i'm a scaredy cat yeah you're scared i prefer cat. the term freighty cat all right what's next i love you thursday september 8 1986 an 85 year old woman died what that's it an 85 year old okay. woman probably died yeah she probably I just did. guessed it no an 85 no this is great you're gonna love this an 85 year old woman died shortly after someone slain in the spirit Okay, I'm doing the. I'm what? Doing, I'm doing air quotes. Okay. Slain in the spirit fell on her. What does slain in the spirit mean? Just listen. Just okay, listen. Okay, you'll okay. get it. An 85 year old woman died shortly after someone who was slain in the spirit with air quotes fell on her and fractured her hip during a Benny Hinn religious rally. Remember Benny Hinn? No. He's he's one of those guys. He's like a Indian guy with white hair that like he does those the power healing. Of Christ can tell. Yeah, he heals people and it's like. Boom! The Jesus is with you. Jesus yeah. says, and people fall down. You know, yeah. and they fall down because Jesus mm-hmm. like hits them with his power. Yeah. Um, uh, Hin award. So he he did that to someone, and that person fell on an old an eighty five year old woman and, and fractured, fractured her, her hip. hip. Hin awarded the family a large but undisclosed cash settlement a day before the trial was to begin. The woman Ella Papard was eighty five. Mm-hmm. She was taken to the hospital and underwent surgery, but died fifteen later. 15 days later from a from blocked arteries brought on by the hip fracture. Okay. The suit filed in Oklahoma City federal court by Papard's family states that she suffered the broken hip September 18th while attending a revival at the Faith Tabernacle near Interstate 40 in Portland. Mm-hmm. The revival featured evangel- evangelist Benny Hinn of Orlando, Florida. You don't know who that is? Mm-mm, never and heard he of him. He took over the ministry once headed by the late Catherine Kuhlman. The Popard's family attorney, Carl Hughes, said the woman was convinced by ushers to go to the front of the church where Hinn was striking people on the forehead and pronouncing them slain in the spirit. The suit charged that Hinn, in a deliberate and deceitful attempt to give the impression that one had been slain in the spirit, pushed the gentleman standing in front of Mrs. Popard backwards, knocking him into Mrs. Popard and causing her to fall to the ground and break her hip. And then, of course, he couldn't heal her. Hughes said Hinn then declared that Papard, who was in obvious pain, was hindering the service and ordered her removed from the stage and placed in the seat near the front of the church. The attorney said Papard's family was told by witnesses that there were that when one usher offered to seek medical aid, Hinn stopped him, saying, Leave her alone. God will heal her. Heal her. Mm. Papard, according to the petition, eventually was taken to Deaconess Hospital where surgeons implanted a prosthesis of her left hip. She was then transferred to Baptist Medical Center, where she died October 3rd. Hmm. state medical examiner determined that she died of multiple pulmonary emboli, blocked arteries caused by the broken hip. Okay. Yeah, so those healers... Um, well, they're full they're of shit. Shysters. They're they freaking are. shysters. All right, September 20th, honey. Are you ready for September 20th? What's going to happen? I'm ready. Huey Lewis and the News... One of the greatest bands ever. And I don't know, I if don't you know, know about this. that. It's a very tragic thing. Huey Lewis might never sing again. He's got a throat problem. Oh. He may never sing I didn't again. know he was still singing in the first place. He was. He is. But they took over the Billboard number one spot with a song called... I Want a New Drug. No. No. I don't know. I'm so happy to be... Oh. Stuck with you. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Okay. Yes, it's true. 
Remember, he's on a beach. Like he's like I don't remember. washed up on a beach with a rowboat with a girl, and uh, all the the news members are buried in the sand. Their heads are like going. I do remember that part. Yeah. Happy to be stuck with you. It was filmed right. in the Bahamas, and it features act uh, model actress Keely Shea Smith. Okay. You care about that? Nope. Neither do I. Thursday, September 25th, 1986. Mm-hmm. Late Night with David Letterman aired a rerun of a February a February show. February? A February show. You say and February wrong. I can't say February, and you can't say rural. <laughs> uh, but anyway, th- I never knew this happened, okay? Okay. So they played a rerun of a February show in September, and Letterman had the entire rerun dubbed from English to English using the cast of Speed Racer as the voices. Oh, isn't that weird? Yeah, that's weird. Like it's saying the exact same dialogue. Right. Dave Letterman and Paul. And but it's dubbed. But it's dubbed with a Speed Racer character. That's funny. I watched Speed it Racers online, are all badly I like, dubbed. I can't believe it. It's weird. So you can watch it on YouTube. Okay. So on YouTube, Friday, September 26, the number two grossing movie comes out for 1986. Yes. Crocodile Dundee. Oh, yeah. Crocodile Dundee. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? I think I did. Did you? I think so. Were you hot for Paul Hogan? No. He was like an old man. Well, Paul Hogan, despite Paul Hogan's insistence that Crocodile Dundee was his own creation, it was later revealed that the real-life inspiration for the character was Bushman Rod Ansel. Okay. He became popular in Australia in 1977 when his boat capsized during a solo hunting expedition, and he had to, and he had to spend two months trapped in the wilderness. He was he survived by drinking cow blood, ew, sleeping with snakes, and occasionally fighting and decapitating the odd crocodile. Jeez. During a BBC interview about his adventure, uh, Ansel mentioned that the hotel they put him in was very nice and and all, but he decided to sleep on the floor. Oddly enough, it was this little detail, not any of the animal fighting stuff, that inspired Crocodile Dundee. Unfortunately, Ansel didn't see a cent from the use of his story and his life. And his marriage fell apart. He eventually developed a drug habit, oh, uh, which culminated great. into a shootout with police officers. Oh my God! Killing one. Some saying he was driven mad due to his exclusion from a success of the Crocodile Dundee movies. I guess so. The production that company sucks. even banned him from starting his own Crocodile Dundee tour. Jeez, Jeez they're poor, decks to him. I know that poor guy. I know they should have given him something. You know what? I'm glad I never saw a Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Now, yeah. They should have given him something for Yeah, Christ I never sake. once saw it. I never had a desire. I don't no. give a shit. No. Because the only Australian thing for me is minute work. It's oh, the only okay. thing I give a shit about. I come from a land down and die. All right. Vegemite sandwich. Saturday, 20, Saturday, September 27th, 1986. Balloon Fest, 1986. Do you know what this is? Was it hot air balloons? Balloon Fest 1986 is an event in which the United Way of Cleveland, Ohio, set a world record by releasing almost one and a half million balloons. That's awful. Yeah, they were trying to set a record, the United Way. I know, but that's that's horrible for the environment. Well, the event was intended to be a harmless fundraising publicity stunt. Yeah. But the balloons drifted back over the city. Lake Erie and the land and the surrounding areas caused, yeah. caused a lot of problems for traffic. Well, and not to mention a nearby airport. The event also interfered with a U.S. Coast Guard search for two boaters who were later found drowned. Whose big idea was that? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. 
<laughs> That's an awful thing to do. It was the United Way. In consequence, the org- this was 1986, honey. Nobody, Nobody gave a shit about, about the, the environment. The environment. Uh, the, uh, in consequence... Stop. I lost my spot. In consequence, the organizers in the city faced lawsuits seeking millions of dollars in damage and cost overruns, but the event had a net loss. Typically, a helium-filled latex balloon that is released outdoors will stay aloft long enough to be fully deflated before it descends to Earth. However, the Balloon Fest balloons collided with a front of cool air and rain and dropped toward the ground, still inflated, clogging the land and waterways of northwest Ohio, northeast Ohio. In the days following the event, balloons were reported washed ashore on the Canadian side of Lake Erie. God, that's what a stupid thing to do. Yep. Uh, balloons landing on a pasture in Medina County, Ohio, spooked Louise Nowakowski's Arabian horses, which allegedly suffered permanent injuries as a result. Jeez. She sued the United Way of Cleveland for $100,000 in damages and settled for undisclosed terms. Yeah. Burke Lakefront Airport had to shut down a runway for half an hour after balloons landed there. Traffic ac- accidents were also reported as drivers swerved to avoid slow-motion blizzards of multicolored orbs or took their eyes off the road to gawk at the overhead spectacle. Jeez. And, of course, the two fishermen, Raymond Broderick and Bernard Solzer, who Mm -hmm. had gone out on September 26th, were reportedly missing by their families on the day of the event. Rescuers spotted their 16-foot boat anchored west of the Edgewater Park break wall. A Coast Guard search and rescue helicopter crew had difficulties reaching the area because of the asteroid field of balloons. A search and rescue boat crew tried to spot the fishermen floating in the lake, but guard officials said balloons... And the water made it impossible to see whether anyone was in the lake. <laughs> God. Uh, so their bodies washed ashore eventually. So they might have been alive and saved yep. with those stupid balloons. Yep. And the wife of one of the fishermen sued the United Way of Cleveland and uh, mm. received $3.2 million in settlement. So wow. the United Way, which is supposed to make money. Yeah, to help people. Lost a lot of money because of stupid idiots. God, somebody <laughs> lost a job. A lot of people did. That's stupid balloons. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Well, where I work, we have a balloon rule. You're not allowed to have any balloons, and people shit themselves when somebody sees a balloon. Oh, my God, there's a balloon. Get that balloon out of here. Why do they have a balloon? That's because the helium balloons go to the Oh, the ceiling, yeah. They stay up there for a while. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They can't get them down. Can't get them down. Such high ceilings in that place. Yep. Saturday, September 27, 1986. Did you know? I don't know if if you know about this. Okay. I want to just tell the story. Okay. Try not to make it boring. (laughs) During the European leg of the Damage Inc. tour in support of Master of Puppets, the band Metallica complained that the sleeping cubicles on their tour bus were unsatisfactory and uncomfortable. To decide who received pick of the bunks, two guys in Metallica, Kirk Hammett and Cliff Burton, drew cards. On the evening of September 26, 1986, Burton won the game with an ace of spades, thereby getting the first choice of bunk and pointed at Hammett and exclaimed, I want your bunk. Hammett replied, fine, take my bunk, I'll sleep up front. It's probably better up there anyway. Burton was sleeping shortly before 7 a.m. on September 27th when, according to the driver, the bus skidded off the road oh. and flipped onto the grass in Cronberg County. Burton was thrown through the window of the bus, which fell on top of him, cool. resulting in his death. So the guy that lost the card thing. The guy that won and chose the bunk. Oh, he won the he's the thing. one that flew out. Yeah, so he won and said, I want to sleep right there. And then and that's, the he's that the he, only one that died. The spot that he gained made him die. Oh, my God. And the bus fell, fell on top on. of him. That's 
rough. The bus driver said the crash was caused by the bus hitting a patch of black ice on the road, but James Hetfield later stated that he first believed the bus flipped because the driver was drunk. It could be a little of column A and a little of column B. Well, they, they Hetfield stated that they walked long distances down the road looking for black ice, and they found none. And a local freelance photographer uh, who attended the crash scene Mm -hmm. was asked later in in an interview about the likelihood that black ice caused the accident. And he said that was out of the question because the road was dry and the temperature was about 36 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. That's above the freezing point. Yes. This was confirmed by police who, like Hetfield, also found no ice on the road. Mm. Um, The tracks in the accident were exactly like one scene when drivers fall asleep at the wheel. However, the driver stated under oath that he had slept during the day and was fully rested. Man. It's a disagreement. But yep. anyway, that's what happened. A, a guy from Metallica died. Yeah. And because he won that bunk. I never knew that happened. Yeah. That's interesting, I think. Yeah. Thursday, October 9th, 1986, Tonight Show host Johnny Carson's good friend, occasional guest Tonight Show host Joan Rivers, yeah. started a late night talk show on yeah, Fox. Yeah, I remember that. To compete directly with Johnny Carson, mm-hmm. and he never spoke to her again. Oh wow, he yeah. was pissed. Johnny Carson don't give he don't, you don't fuck with Johnny Carson. He was pissed. You at don't her. fuck with Johnny Carson. I tell people that all the time. Wow. When I'm at a stoplight and I see another person pull up and I can see them, I roll down my window. I ask them to roll down their window and I say, "Hey, you don't fuck with Johnny Carson." I guess not. You know what happened, with Joan Rivers? Don't fuck with him. That's right. That's what I do. That's yeah. right. Johnny Carson, bitch. Mm-hmm. Thursday. Oh, that's some weird, wild stuff. Okay. That's some wacky, wild. I did did not know that. Yeah, I did not know. All that. right. Don't fuck with me, Joan Rivers. Thursday, October sixteenth, nineteen eighty-six. Your birthday, honey. Yay. Nineteen eighty-six. How old were you? Did you become? Uh, do the math. Do the math. Fourteen. You were four on your fourteenth birthday. Wow. That's weird. This is really when our age difference really yes, came into play. I, I know. Like eight. You were 10. I was like six. No, you were 14. 10. That <laughs> was 10. Uh, on your 14th birthday, Night Court was on. Yes. And Bull was horrified to be told that his entry in a children's book contest was unintentionally violent, horrifying, and obscene. And he, he so he breaks both of his hands, punching holes in the wall, and then goes to hide at the Natural History Museum while Dan is enticed by a woman with disassoci- disassociative identity disorder. Jeez. Her, her personality switches without warning. Is from, it a very special from, episode from or a something? Rude to a sex pot and then back again. No, it's supposed to be hilarious. I don't know if that was hilarious. And that woman was played by oh. Fran Drescher. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was on Night Court. Boom. You didn't know she was on Night Court. No, I did not. You did not know until just now. That's true. And now you can tell all your friends. Yep. Saturday, October 25th, 1986, mm-hmm. Cindy Lauper takes over the Billboard charts with her new number one single that she didn't write. Oh. The only song on this album that she didn't true write. True Colors. True Colors. Yeah. That's why I love you. Mm-hmm. To make him show. All right. She didn't. That's the only song on the album that she didn't help write. Isn't okay. that crazy? Um, yeah, they originally wrote that song for Anne Murray. Oh my God, that's but, a, quite a difference. Yeah, Anne Murray was like, "Fuck that shit." She probably was sorry about that. Yeah, I bet she was. We should call her. I think her, she was in decline at this point, anyways. Anne Murray. Anne Murray. Yeah. Was she ever not? I think she was, she was popular ever? in like the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s. Was she ever? I, I don't so. even know. I don't even. Know. I only know my dad liked Anne Murray. Yes. So that's to me, the that meant of, that that's Anne the demographic. Yeah. <laughs> My dad liked terrible crap. Yes. Although he liked uh, blues and he liked Buddy Guy, which was good. 
And that's about it. But everything, everything else he liked. He liked Conway Twitty. He liked Conway Hee-haw. fucking Twitty and Hee-haw. God, my dad had terrible taste in yes, so many he did. things. He did. Monday, October 27th, 1986, the day after True Colors becomes the number one song on the Billboard charts, the World Series concluded mm-hmm. with a, a best of seven playoff. It pitted the NL champion New York Mets and the AL champion Boston Red Sox. The Mets won the series in the seventh game after overcoming a deficit of two runs with two outs and no one on base in the bottom of the 10th inning of game six. Okay. The 10th inning, extra innings, babe. In game six, this is a big deal. This was a game in which the Red Sox were twice one strike away from victory and known for the famous error by Boston's first baseman, Bill Buckner. After their lead had already been blown. Game six has been cited in the legend of the curse of the Bambino to explain the major comeback. And what's the curse of the Bambino? It was also the first World Series to use the designated hitter only in games played at the AL League Representative Stadium. A a policy which has continued since. So the curse of the Bambino is uh, similar to the The, Cubs. The the Cubs Cubs, goat. uh, goat, Mm -hmm. Billy Goat. Okay. Um, So the... I don't know. The Red Sox had always came close. Like things like this, crazy shit happened like this to prevent them. The curse of the Bambino was a superstition evolving from the failure of the Boston Red Sox baseball team to win the World Series mm-hmm. in the 86-year period from 1918 to 2004. Now, they've since won. Yes, right? I know. Um, while some fans took the curse seriously, most used the expression in a tongue-in-cheek manner. The misfortune began after the Red Sox sold. Star player Babe Ruth, yeah, sometimes nicknamed as the Bambino, to the New York Yankees in the offseason of 1919 to 1920. Okay. Before that point, the Red Sox had been one of the most successful professional baseball franchises, winning the first World Series and amassing five World Series titles. After the sale, they went without a title for nearly a century as the previously lackluster Yankees became one of the most successful franchises mm-hmm. in North American professional sports. Okay. So there you go. There's Boom. that. You're always saying, oh, I know everything about baseball, and now mm-hmm. I schooled you by looking at the internet. That's right. Sunday, November 8th, 1986, mm-hmm. Boston takes over the number one charts with a song called... I don't know. Amanda. Ugh. You know how that goes? Uh, I want to take you away, Amanda. That's awful. Doesn't it make you want to date a girl named Amanda? No, it doesn't. Not at all? Not even a little. There's not. Do you know there's not a video? No, I don't. It was 1986, MTV was the shit, and Boston couldn't be bothered to make a fucking video for Amanda. Well, they thought they were too good. But it still made the number one charts, which is really rare. Yeah. Like, almost, you know, it's really rare for them not to have a video for it, so. Yeah. Then on Tuesday, November 11th, just a few days after that happened, Mm -hmm. uh, Janet Jackson went ahead and said, get out of here, Boston. Yep. I have the number one song on the Billboard charts. Do you know what it is? Is it Nasty Boys? No. This is a. I think this is an oft forgotten Janet Jackson song. Okay. What is it? When I think of you. Oh yeah. Darling. Mm-hmm. Yep. When I think of you. It was actually her first mm-hmm. number one on the Billboard charts. In the video, Paula Abdul choreographed the video, mm-hmm. and Janet Jackson's wearing like a, a a sport jacket with giant shoulder pads. Yeah. And she's kind of heavy. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she in, had giant in the boobs, but she was kind of heavy. But she's, yeah, she was. And she's dancing around like nothing. And so I was kind of proud of the 80s people. Like, yeah. good for you making her, being cool with her, being a little bit 
chubbier. Yeah, she was until she got and then she got rhythm nation. Where, yeah, right. She got in good shape, but um, she had giant hair. Mm-hmm. And the video was like her and her all her dancers were dancing in the street, you know, yeah, and knocking over fire hydrants, and there was some some fat white guy yelling at him mm-hmm. in every every part of the video. He was like, get out of here. Get out of the street. I'm trying to sleep. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I call the police on you kids. And the police finally show up and they arrest him and mm-hmm. they start dancing with Janet Jackson. Okay. They're like cop rock. Yep. And then on Saturday, uh, November 15th, and uh, Frank Zappa released an album called Jazz from Hell. Yeah. This album is known as the f- one of the first this is actually known as the first album mm-hmm. to have a parental advisory sticker oh yeah i wonder why is it bad words it was or frank something? zappa it was just like i don't know any frank zappa music i don't either but this album was completely instrumental and why would it have a parental advisory if it was completely instrumental oh probably because it was called jazz from hell it had the word hell in it probably and that's what it that's probably it that's, that's probably weird it. let's put these parental advisories because it says hell on it that's yeah, I don't know one weird. single f- anything from Frank Zappa. No, at all. I don't either. I have no idea what he does or anything. I just know that people who are hipsters and are really cool and mm. know more about being cool love Frank Zappa. Do they? Yeah. Okay. Like, if you meet somebody and they love Frank Zappa, they're probably cool. Okay. I'm not cool enough to know no, or love No, I'm Frank not Zappa. either. And Dweezil Zappa's his son, and he's got a Sunday Moon Unit. I know. Or a daughter, maybe. A daughter. Know. Saturday, November 22nd, a week after Frank Zappa, mm-hmm. Human is a song recorded by British synth pop, synth pop band, the Human League. Okay. We're only human, born to make mistakes. I don't know that song at all. You don't know that song? The, I'm only human. No. It doesn't ring a bell. That? It doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, it definitely didn't sound like what you were singing at all. I'm only human, born to make All right. Okay, hold on. Now let me get back to my spreadsheet. Because uh, this is... A, this is a hip hop song. <laughs> what? No, I'm just kidding. It's a synth pop band, Human League. Uh, the track deals with the subject of infidelity and is written and produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I don't know who they are. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are the ones that did all Janet Jackson. They did Luther Vandross, like Jam and Lewis. Here we go. Mo money, mo money. They did the whole mo money soundtrack with Belle Biv DeVoe, and then I mean they're known for like R and B. And they sing that. And, and they, did they that. They produced it. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's why I was surprised because that doesn't sound anything like Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. So in 1985, the recording sessions for the Human League's album were not going well. It was their fifth album. And the band did not like the result uh, and was causing internal conflict. They almost broke up. And then Virgin Record executives worried about this. And they said, hey, how about you guys work? uh, Here's we have an offer to work with uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Uh, And they already have some material Uh, and they they like your band and they want to do something. And. And uh, they were like, no, but they did it anyway. And, uh, and they ended up cause, liking cause it. Because they, they produced Janet Jackson's whole Control album. Oh, okay. That's Jam and Lewis, Janet Jackson's music. So I was so, really surprised to hear that Jam and yeah. Lewis had anything to do with that. More money, more money, Jam and Lewis, here we go. Sorry. Then Saturday, that same day, Mike Tyson won his first world boxing title. The same day, Human mm-hmm. Human is number one. He won his first world by and he beat Trevor Burbick in Las Vegas. Okay. And then the very next day on Sunday, mm-hmm. 60 Minutes ran a scathing expose on the Audi 5000, alleging it could wildly accelerate on its own. Oh. However, their on-air demonstration used a rigged car to show falsified results. Government tests later vindicated Audi, but their sales had already plummeted. 60 Minutes never mm-hmm. apologized. Those jerks. They're fucking assholes. Morley's, fucking Morley Safer. Morley Safer's a son of a bitch. 
Andy, fucking Andy Rooney. Fucking Andy Rooney. Murder, she wrote. Had a special episode on Sunday, November 23rd. Okay. What was that? Uh, Jessica mm-hmm. from Murder, she wrote. She comes to the assistance of Magnum. When he's framed, Magnum P.I.? Framed for two murders that occurred during so her, it was va- a crossover. her vacation in Hawaii. Oh. Yeah, she has a vacation in Hawaii and Magnum P.I. is on it. Tom Selleck. Boy, that's some 80s, that's some 80s. magic right there. Tom Selleck as Magnum P.I. on Murder, She Wrote. Yes. That happened. And it, that is the 80s. That is the 80s. Is that more 80s or less 80s than uh, Boy George on the 18? Mm, less. I think Boy it's George less. on the 18 Boy George is, on the 18 is, is more 80s. Is very, is like the But that's pretty 80s. fucking 80s. Yeah, that is. That's pretty 80s. On Saturday, November 29th, 1986, mm-hmm. Bon Jovi took over the number one spot with a song called uh, Shot Through the Heart oh. and You're Too Blame. You give love a, a bad, bad name. name. Yep. You play my part and you play your game. So I made our daughter watch this video, oh, yeah? which is just concert footage mm-hmm. of Bon Jovi yeah. from 86. Yeah. And this is great. She thought it was a girl. I, I wish I were to record this. She said, <laughs> she said this, and it's been hard for me not to tell you this before this, but I wanted your natural reaction. She, she said, <laughs> she said um, that they look like mommy in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, the lead singer looks like mommy in the morning. Oh, because <laughs> of the hair? Yeah. Yeah, John, go back and look at this video. Bon oh, my God. Uh, his hair is huge. Yeah. And long and like <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Looking. Yeah. Oh, my God. So your God. hair in the morning looks like 80s Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi hair. Yeah, congratulations. I always thought you looked more like David Lee Roth. Yeah. Myself. I know you comment on that a lot. But this is a compliment that you look more like. More uh, like John Bon Jovi. I think bon Jovi. he's a, a step up, you think? Uh, I have a friend of mine on Facebook. She posted some pictures on Facebook of a, a recent this year, mm-hmm. just a couple months ago, Bon Jovi concert she went to. She was in the front row or whatever. She's like, oh, my God, look at this. And it was like a shot from the screen. It was like the back of Bon Jovi singing to the crowd. Mm-hmm. And he was wearing like a blue pantsuit. What? <laughs> and his hair is blonde and mm-hmm. short crop bob. And I honestly, I honestly thought, oh my God, is Hillary Clinton speaking? <laughs> you saw Hillary Clinton somewhere? Oh my God, really? And she was like, well, you obviously weren't looking at his butt because it, you would know it wasn't Hillary Clinton if you looked at his butt. And then I looked back and I looked at his butt. And You're I'm like, it still kinda, looks like Hillary Clinton. It looks like Hillary Clinton's butt. He's kind of got a mom butt. He looks like he's got Hillary Clinton's haircut. Why? It looked like Hillary Clinton in a blue pantsuit, like, <laughs> rocking out. Because oh, he's si- 60. Yeah, I know, right? You know? Like, he can, not everybody can look great. That's right. Um, anyway. You know what? Let That's a good segue, really quick, for yeah. my... my Your sne- Hillary Clinton bit? No, that pantsuit comment. Pantsuit. For my sneaky little edition here of the fashion that was popular <sighs> now, in 1986. Earlier in this episode, we distinctly agreed that no, we wouldn't no, discuss fashion. That was a, that was foreshadowing. Foreshadowing? Yes. So foreskin? One of the things that was popular were Ray-Ban sunglasses. Well, Ray-Bans. And that was, you know, Tom Cruise's um, Top Gun, that whole thing. Those were Ray-Bans? Yeah, those were Ray-Bans. Um, I'm and barely tolerating it, this. It increased the sales of them for more than 40%. Um, okay. And so then the next thing was cropped tanks and crop tops. Crop tanks. So like tank tops that just stop at your belly button? Or before. Like they were really short. For ladies? Yes. Or fellas too? For women. Well, probably for both. Mesh tank tops? Sherilyn Fenn strutted her stuff like a pro and showed us a true meaning of 80s sex appeal while rocking a crop tank in the 1986's The Wraith, side-by-side with notorious Charlie Sheen. 
Boring. Power suits. These are the ones with the um, shoulder pads. Yes, yes, and like deep, deep waist pants, jackets with huge shoulder pads, and then shoulder pads that have a entry all on their own. The crazy thing with the shoulder pads, it just looks like your your jacket is just too big for you. Yes, I know. Like that Janet Jackson video, it just looks like your jacket's too big. Yep. She's wearing a lot of clothes. Aerobic, Sex appeal wasn't a thing then. Aerobic gear was popular because of flash dance. Flash dance. Um, that came out three years earlier. It appears that aerobic gear reached a peak of its popularity in 1986. Crystal Light National Aerobic Championship video that got in the I remember that Crystal Light commercial. Yeah. Leg warmers, headbands, and tricots were designed it's in a way woman to truly diving into a flex appeal. Crystal Light. That's right. Got a headband on. And that's all I had. It was just a little segue into the fashions you didn't even of the time. Leg warmers. They weren't. Bicycles, bicycle shorts. Leg warmers were earlier. Oh, they were. We I missed think. that already. I think so. Well, you know what? I love you anyway. That was kind of a moderate success, I would say. All right. Let's see what Steve Brace says. Okay. Saturday, December 6th, 1986, mm-hmm. Peter Cetera again is on the number one charts with his friend your Amy, favorite. Amy Grant. That's your favorite guy. They had a duet. Mm-hmm. And this song was originally not supposed to be a duet. It was just supposed to be a solo. Okay. But Peter Cetera wanted, to, wanted it to be a duet. And it, it was hard to get Amy Grant because she had only done Christian yes, music. Yes, right. And she said, everyone has to... You have to read the Bible and memorize it. And have to, you have to prove that you're a good Christian. She said that to him? I don't know. If you that, made that up? Not that exactly, but she had, Peter Cetera had to be approved oh, for her geez. to sing with him. He had, she had to, he had to prove that he was a good Christian. Oh, God. Yeah. Barf. So, you know what the song is? No. Next time my fall Another ballad. It will oh, no be matter what you do. Next time my fall yeah. All right. So the video features... Amy Grant sitting at a window, and Peter Cetera sitting at a different window, and it's raining, and they're singing out the window. Yeah. And then it's spliced with some attractive African-American couple, like, dancing with each other. Oh. I don't know what it's huh. why or what that's, that's weird. about. But anyway, Peter Cetera sucks. Yep. Next time I fall in Do you think there's somebody right now just, like, jamming out to only Peter Cetera songs? Probably in the world, probably. You know, like they're like closing their eyes and just getting into it. Yeah, it probably is. Friday, December twelfth, nineteen eighty six, the Golden Child came out. Oh, was that it was, Eddie Murphy? It was the eighth top grossing movie that year. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. I never saw that. It was originally intended as a serious adventure drama with Mel Gibson in the lead role. Okay. But Gibson turned the film down and Eddie Murphy replaced him and the script was rewritten as a partial comedy. To do this film, Eddie Murphy turned down a role in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Okay. I wonder who he would have been. Yeah, I don't know. Would he have been a Klingon? I never saw that movie. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, that's crazy. Just a little trivia for you, babe. Okay. That same day The Golden Child came out, Three Amigos also came out. Oh. And that movie, again, common theme throughout the 80s, that was supposed to star Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, and John Belushi, but John Belushi went ahead and killed himself. That's right. Doing drugs. And, uh... Martin mentioned in, this in a Playboy interview published in January 1980 that it was supposed to be. Uh, so it was yeah. him and Martin Short and Chevy Chase, is yep, that right? Yep, so Dan Aykroyd probably didn't do it because whatever. But Yeah. Uh, um, and Fran Drescher and Sam Kinison were both in the film yep. originally, but their scenes were all deleted. Oh. Yep, so there you go, a little trivia about that. But that was a great movie. I remember I got to see that movie. When did it come out? December 12th? Oh, that's weird. Must have been out for a while because 
I remember seeing that birthday, that that birthday. I remember seeing that movie for my birthday. Oh, so it was probably the next, it was probably the dollar movie or something. Oh, it must have been cheap. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of money. So Steve Bishop and I did the Three Amigos dance thing. Mm Yeah. Together all the time. We memorized that and loved that movie. That's a great movie. Okay. Saturday, the next day, Bruce Hornsby in the range, your favorite. Oh, yeah. Not in the Eagles. They took over the number one spot for six days okay you know what song no 86 bruce Mm -hmm. hornsby i don't know just the way it is oh yeah the song describes aspects of homelessness the american civil rights movement and institutional racism oh deep meaning sampled by six rap artists including tupac e40 and mace oh did it yeah and did you know that bruce hornsby used to play background music for sheena easton no. He was in her in her video uh, strut. You can see him in the background. Oh, I didn't know that. Also, Bruce Hornsby is not one of the Eagles, and he's also not Steve Winwood. Uh, we established that. <laughs> I know. I just can't believe it. I always thought they were the same guy. <laughs> all of them were the same, and they were all the Eagles. Um, he also played high school basketball at James Blair High School in Williamsburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, and that school no longer exists. But now, in its place, there's a middle school named after Lois Hornsby, his mom. His mom? Yeah, boom. You didn't know that. Now you can tell people. Okay. Friday, December 19th, 1986, Platoon came out. Okay. It was the third gross. The I've third never seen highest. that either. I haven't either because who wants to see that? In the war movie. Who yeah. wants to see a bunch of murder and sadness? Yeah. Uh, Oliver Stone wrote the first draft of Platoon in 1971 and sent it to Jim Morrison in hopes that he would play the part Charlie Sheen would ultimately play. Oh, wow. That's Mor- crazy. Yeah, and listen to this. Morrison had the script on him when he was found dead. Oh, Paris. wow. So he had a script in his hand. Wow. Or in his pocket or yeah. somewhere near him. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I think he died in the bathtub. So he probably wasn't in his hand. Maybe he was reading in the bathtub. That could be. Also, during the filming of the movie, mm-hmm. Keith David saved Charlie Sheen's life. And I forgot to write down the details. But you know who Keith David is? No. You wouldn't recognize him if you saw him. Cool, awesome black guy. He was in They Live with Roddy Piper. He's in a million things. Okay. He's He's awesome. He's one of the greatest ever guys, Keith David. So I just mentioned that because of that. But Oliver Stone, who was going to cast Jim Morrison, did the movie based on Jim Morrison's Life the Doors movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so that's boom. right. There you go. And the last thing I have. Dece- Before the toys. Oh, you got the toys on Christmas, don't you? Yeah. December 20th, 1986. Yep. This song uh, took over the number one charts and it holds through January. So we'll begin the 1987 season with this one, The Bangles. Oh, Manic Monday? No, the big one. Walk like an Egyptian. Walk like an Egyptian. I wonder what made them... What made them... You're Walk about to tell like me, probably. Egyptian. What made them write this? Oh, why they wrote Walk Like an Egyptian? Yes. I'm so glad you asked, yes. because music producer Liam Sternberg wrote the song after seeing people on a ferry walking awkwardly to keep their balance. You know, they put their arms yes. Down. Their poses reminded him of figures in some ancient Egyptian paintings and reliefs. So he's like, oh, they're walking like an Egyptian. And then he wrote that. It's weird. Isn't that weird? That you yes. Would, you would sit there and see people walking all st- and think that and write that down and then make yeah. a song of that. It is dumb. Man, how about this? That song was originally offered to Tony Basil. Okay. I could see Mickey, that. Mickey, oh, Mickey. Yeah. Who, she turned it down, though. Oh, she probably was sorry she did that. Well, maybe it wouldn't have done as good. Um, yeah, it's, part of it was that, that Susan Vega, whatever her name was. Lead singer. Susanna Hoffs. Oh, Susanna Hoffs. Susanna Vegas saying, my name is Lucas. That's right. Susanna Hoffs 
when that one part in this video where she goes walk like an Egyptian. She's always looking around. And she turns her eyes to the yeah. side. That is the single most sexy moment I've ever seen a woman do. Ever. What? Besides everything you do. Oh, yeah, okay. Besides every time you uh, uh, All fart right. and burp. <laughs> okay. No, that when I was, I mean, that still, I watched it. I'm like, I don't know what about that is, but she knows it too. She yeah, knows she does it. Well, she does it all the time. Yeah, she's like, this is sexy, and she's got big, beautiful eyes, and she does that. Yeah, I know. Uh, um, but anyway, real quick, <laughs> each member of the group uh, sang the lyrics with the guy who wrote this to determine who would sing each verse. Yeah. Um, and uh, they each sang and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the guy, Khan, Brian, I don't know what's this guy's name. David Khan from Pierre Southern Publishing mm-hmm. was the producer, right? He did not like any of Debbie Peterson's leads. She's one of the band members. Yeah. He didn't like any of her singing, so she was relegated to backing vocals. That angered her and caused tension within the group. Yep. And this was exacerbated by the use of a drum machine in place of her drumming. Jeez. Further diminishing her role in the song, she could be seen, seen playing the tambourine during the 1986 performance of the Old Grey Whistle Test, whatever that is. But that poor gal. Yeah. They wouldn't even let her play the drums. And not only is your singing bad, uh, guess what? I'm replacing your drumming because your drumming fucking sucks, too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. The toys. Christmas. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready for the toys. Let's do All right. Don't get on your phone and start reading stuff. I'm pulling something up on my phone because I have to bring it up for a correction. All right. So Centurions action figures. Centurions. Centurions. Articulated hero action figures. Each comes with its own assault weapon system that mounts two figures exo-frame. Choose from Ace McCloud, Max Ray, or Jake Rockwell. Did you have any of those? No, and I can't even picture these. I don't even know what you're talking about. You never heard of them? Nope. Okay. I probably have. I'm sure if I saw them. Yeah, you would say, oh, I yeah. Would, oh, I kind of remember those, but I don't think I had those or okay. cared about that. Chuck Norris action figure. Oh. A Chuck Norris action figure has karate type action. He is in Chuck Norris in Battle Gear does the karate chop. In training, he does the dragon whip kick. And he's got a superpower mustache with yes. kung fu grip. Yes, he does. Then there was the gem dolls. Gem. Gem was truly outrageous. Gem. It's truly outrageous. outrageous. That's right. So she had flashing LED earrings that light up at the touch of a button. Really? On stage, she's the hottest female vocalist in town. Off stage, she's Jerrica, a sleek executive. There are also the holograms. Jem's awesome, I know, backup band. 80s name, Jerrica. They each play a guitar, and you can hear their music from the Jem animated series on the cassette tape that comes with each doll. Hmm. And then it came with a stage that played, you could play the pre-recorded tapes in the stage. Really? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't remember that. I remember it being on TV, and I couldn't wait for it to be over. Yes. I liked whatever was after it. I don't remember what that is. Then there was My Buddy and Kid Sister Dolls. My Buddy. Remember that? My Buddy, wherever I go, yep. you're going to go, my buddy. Yeah. My buddy, my buddy and me, motherfucker. So they, they were large, or tough enough for rough and tumble play, yet cuddly enough for big bear hugs. They were huge. Yep. They were like bigger than the kids. The, the soft-bodied do- dolls have vinyl heads with rooted hair, can wear clothes, the clothes that... They came with or three to six month infant clothing. Oh, really? Yeah. I bet that'd be a, that'd be worth a lot of money on eBay. On my, buddy, on my buddy doll. My buddy. My right. buddy. Then there was NFL huddles. Oh. Everyone yes. wants the huddles on their team. They're yep. perfect for play or display and have soft plush bodies. Choose from all these different teams. I got a great uh, story about this. Those were ridiculously expensive. They're just yeah. shitty little stuffed animals. They were twenty dollars each. Oh yeah, I feel like they were way more than that, but twenty dollars then was back a lot. then. That's right. Uh, so they were at a store at the mall. My mom worked at the at the Northtown Mall in yeah. Toledo, mm-hmm. and uh, so in the summer, uh, she couldn't afford a babysitter, so she would take 
me and Steve Bishop to work with her, mm-hmm. and we would just wander around the mall all day. Oh my god! So it was cool. I mean, we all summer we spent watching Secret of My Success a hundred times, which probably came out in 1986, and I should have mentioned when that came yeah. out. But maybe it was the next year, whenever it was, it was around this time. Um, we just we ate hot Sam's, orange Julius. I mean, it was like we lived in the mall. All yeah, summer. we went with her like all the time. And one day we. I feel like my mom would make us work a little bit and we she'd pay us mm-hmm. like little things like I don't know break down boxes or something I can't remember what but we had a little bit of money and we bought these stuffed animals from this like super expensive mall store like that yeah it was like a kiosk in the mall like mm-hmm. those key, glass kiosks yeah in the middle, in the middle. Where, yeah where you, you couldn't steal anything from there because it was a glass kiosk so we bought these expensive huddles yeah Steve bought a Cincinnati Bengals one, and I bought a Dallas Cowboys one at yeah. the time. I wasn't a Vikings fan yet. I was a Cowboys fan. My family was all Cowboys fans. It was just really just a, like a stuffed animal of a guy wearing a uniform. Yep, right? that's right. And so they were stuffed animal, and we, we, were, we were playing with them, and we, we knew. Were you playing with it on the toilet? No, we were playing with it in the mall, okay. and, and we knew all the back alleys and hallways because we came to work with my mom we right came, we opened she was the manager so she would open the store yeah. and close the store so we knew all the back hallways mm-hmm. behind all the stores you know that linked all this you know mm-hmm. the back rooms of the store right. entry so we just were playing with them and fucking around so we went in the back hallways and we're you know in this parts of the mall we weren't probably supposed, supposed to be to in the yeah. just like playing with them and throwing them around and doing whatever we want because we basically live there like this is our home like we live mm-hmm. here we know everything about this right and some manager of some other store or a shoe store or something caught us and found us and like grabbed us oh. and was like hey did you guys steal those stuffed oh. animals and we're like no no we didn't we, no we didn't we bought them and he was like let me see the receipt and we were like well, we well, don't have that anymore well as soon as we bought it we fucking threw it away at mcdonald's where we were eating lunch and yeah threw that in the trash so we showed him the trash container we f- threw it away in and we're digging through it it's like no no you did i don't believe it. i don't see it in here you guys are going to jail i'm calling the police oh my god we're 10 years old you know yeah like, and we're like oh my god and i was like my mom works at uh cargo express or whatever and he dragged us to cargo express and like like was manhandling it's like oh my he god really thought these thugs we're like 10 year old kids come on and uh and my mom like laid into him I was like listen yeah. you son of a bitch these Good. Are, or whatever i can't remember who who he was or whatever but she was like they're fine, and then he, she yelled at us. Of course, you guys aren't supposed to be in that hallway, yeah. whatever it is. But uh, yeah, and then, but but first, I remember this. But before he took me to my mom, he dragged us to that kiosk where they sell those. Yeah, things. and we had just bought those things. Like and the guy didn't remember you. They said, "No, I don't. I don't know these kids. I never sold oh. anything to these guys." I was like, "You motherfucker! Yeah, you fucking just sold these to us. How do you not remember?" Oh my god! And he, I was like, "I'm gonna fucking cut you at." Of course, I didn't say that. No, but I was thinking that as a kid. But anyway, we got out of it. And we got to keep them or whatever. But. Oh my God, that's awful! Is that a crazy story? Yes. Anyway, then uh, <laughs> Nintendo Entertainment System came out. Oh yeah, the NES. Yes, we got one of these eventually. Did you? I don't think we got it that year, but we got it like a couple years later. Yes, there was that, and then there was Pig Pong, which was a board game. I don't know what that you is. Squeeze the little porker's belly in to blow the puff ball over the net and under your opponent's side to score. Squeeze the little porker's belly. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. No. Um, and if I said that to somebody right now on the street, I'd get arrested. Yeah, it had plastic pigs, net, ball, and rules for two to four players. Then Teddy Ruxpin, remember him? Yes. I and, wanted one so badly, Yeah, only for one reason, and that's to make it say bad words. He I was wanted, 65 bucks. Oh, God, that's why we never had one. Yep. I wanted that, and I wanted to put an Eddie Murphy tape in it just to, just see, to see if it, it would say, say bad, bad words. words. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he had a cassette player inside. 
You unsnap his play suit and pop in the special animation tape included. The colorful picture book lets children follow the adventure as Teddy sings and speaks. $65. Any audio tape can be played in Teddy Ruxpin, but only specially programmed tapes, tapes bring the animation to life. So you could, oh, so he, he wouldn't, wouldn't he wouldn't talk unless it was that one. I'm going to rip off. And then the last one is Watchimals. And it was like uh-huh. a watch, but it had a stuffed animal. It was like a stuffed animal, but it was a watch. I kind of remember that. And um, it, it's... He tells time, date, and seconds. Easy hook and loop closure. Adjust to any size wrist. Choose from Watch the butterfly, the bear, the mouse, or the elephant. Huh. And it was like 3D. You know, like it was plush. Yeah. So it came up. I kind of remember that. I, I want to say, I would not be surprised if Steve Bishop had a watchable. Steve Bishop had all the weird, funny stuff. Yeah. I'll text him and see. I remember, this This isn't from, this is from a lot earlier, but I remember these gloves, they were called Freaky Freezies, and they were gloves that when you go, they look like plain gloves, and when you went out in the snow, the, a picture would show up on the top front of the glove. What? Yeah, they were called Freaky Freezy gloves. That must have been way before my time. It, was, a, it was probably a lot the older than me. That must have been early in, the, 80s. in the 50s. Late 70s, early 80s. But yeah, those, yeah. I loved those gloves because huh. I might have butterflies on them and you would go outside and the, really? the picture would show up. Freaky freezies, huh? Maybe that was only St. Louis. I don't remember that. No, oh, they were all around. America. Be sure to check us out on Twitter yeah, and Facebook and all the stuff. Yeah, I can't believe um, all of you guys are listening. And Thank you. YouTube now. We got a couple episodes yeah. up. We're going to get more we're of that going. Doing that Joe's going to teach me how to do it this, so this summer I can make YouTube videos. Of, yeah. And I love you, our uh, I lo- all you other podcasters. We're like we're really yes. connecting with a lot of other podcasters, uh, and they're like real supportive and helping out, and it's real cool. And uh, all right, so I think it is time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Wait, Chuck Berry? Yeah, get out of here. Oh fuck, you want to again? Get Chuck Berry. Get get Chuck Berry. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out. Get out. No, you're no longer welcome. Matt Truman, take us out. Matt Truman, go.